is a place called the Pearl of Africa. It is Uganda, and like many poor countries of the world, there are children in need of basics like food, shelter, education, and for many, someone just to love them. It takes a big faith to raise the needed funds to help these children. That would call for childlike faith, to believe the impossible. Two young sisters, when they were only six and eight, developed a heart for the children of Africa and believed with God's help they could do anything. I just felt my heart was, was for these kids and I just wanted to follow where my heart led me. We once saw a baby on the road, no younger than like two years old. His parents had just abandoned him. His, his belly was swollen from worms and his, le his legs were swollen from disease. He was just gonna die out there. And was fear of failure an issue? Being brave is like, you do stuff that you are, are afraid to do. And it's important to be brave because otherwise you'd be really scared your whole life and you'd be ruined. God didn't save us to be safe, but to be dangerous. Think about what he did for us, like the nails in his hands, the crown of thorns, all that. So if he did that for us, why sit around on the couch all day and watch TV? Why not give your life back to him and use it to help other people? Natasha and Kendall raised funds to build a five-room, 3,000-square-foot school, as well as a state-of-the-art chicken coop stocked with 300 chickens. How? I decided to host a readathon. I have raised $25,000, have built a school, and am working on raising 60,000, have like 30,000, maybe even 40,000 of dollars of the money. And, and, we, and we're gonna build a children's village with that money where orphans and widows can have a real home. I've been raising animals, then I sold them, then used that money to buy animals to families in need. So far, I have gotten 300 chickens and a chicken coop, and now I am raising goats. And why is because I, I felt like I need to help Natasha with Africa stuff. Like you need a buddy. Sometimes you can't just do stuff on your own. They wanted to encourage other children to do the same. So, with the help of mom and dad, they founded an organization called From One Child to Another. So we are doing exactly what God has commanded us to do, help the orphans and the widows. Meet Henry, Georgia, and Sam Schumacher, who have fearlessly joined the race to raise significant funds for the children of Uganda. Well, I learned about the needs in Uganda from my grandmother and um, she told us that there are a lot of kids there that live in the streets and don't have any parents. That's why we started raising money. Since the kids 
kids in the orphanage, um, since they don't have any food, um, we should raise them some. The money that we raised the first year was going to scholarships for kids that could not go to school. And our first year, we raised about $3,000. And then we started thinking big. We didn't raise as much money as we did this year. And this year, we raised about $7,000. It comes down to this. Our main goal is um, to teach them about Christ and um, teach them that they need to um, accept Christ into their hearts. Kids are doing incredible things to raise funds. Don't be afraid. Think big. Send a message. The impossible, the improbable, yes, it can happen from one child to another. those lights. Praise the Lord, church. Good afternoon. Oh, man. Now, does that knock your socks off or what? Now, I had actually earlier last week heard um, they did a short spot on these kids on Caleb. I don't know how, how many of us listen to Caleb. But I heard this on Caleb, and it blew me away. I went onto uh, the website and found the video, and, and I was even further blown away. Um, now, I, I'm not promoting the organization one child to another. I'm not you know, here to say, you know, support their efforts in Uganda. I'm not here to raise money for Uganda. But I wanted to use this video to create a message that will hopefully generate a response from you. Amen. All right. Praise God. God didn't save us to be safe. He saved us so that we could be dangerous. He didn't save us to be safe. He saved us to be dangerous. Let me let me just quote that line that she she said. Uh, by the way, Natasha and Kendall are from uh, San Antonio, Texas. Um, and they they raised money from some kind of a reading book club that they started. By the way, they started this when they were six and eight. And now they're ten and, and eight. They started it when they were six and eight. And in two years, they raised enough funds to start a school in Uganda. Somewhere along the line, they heard about these kids. And they said, hey, man, we should do something. How many of, how many of us have ever been there? Hey, man. I'm sorry, scratch out the word we. I should do something. Somebody say that. Say, hey, man. I should do something. 
We should have that so well rehearsed because there's going to come a time when we are going to feel like we should do something. Amen? And so now they're looking to create a children's village for orphans and for widows. For orphans and for widows. Where do you think they found that idea? Where? All right, all right. James chapter 1. It's somewhere in the gospel. Jesus' baby brother wrote something about it. James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. If you have your Bible, flip to it real quick. I'm going to read it from the King James Version, because I like thou. And these, they're fun for me. <clears throat> if you got it, say amen. God bless the gentleman who brought this water. Minister David, thank you. <clears throat> we got it? James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. El libro de Santiago, capítulo 1, verso 26 y 27. Mm -hmm. I'm working on it. Snap them fingers. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Master, we surrender these, first, these next few moments to you. And we submit ourselves before your holy power today, and we ask that you would help us to be transformed by your word. We ask with all humility, Father God, that you would come into this place and touch our minds and touch our hearts and speak to us, Lord God, so that a fire can be created. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord, and we just invite you to take control. Take control of me and my lips. Take control of everything that goes on in this place today. Have your way. Help us to step aside and put you first in this service, in Jesus' name. So, it's pretty obvious, right? It's totally obvious that these two adorable little girls have a doctorate in theology. <coughs> they must have a master's degree in, um, in organizational management, right? They're certainly, you know, elders on a missions board for raising funds for missions around the world, right? They are deep theological heavyweights that understand the principles of the Word of God so well that they've done this outstanding, marvelous, and amazing work for God across the seas, right? Not at all. They're little kids, now, 8 and 10, but when they started, they were 6 and 8. What could they possibly know about theology? How many scriptures do you think they can quote? <clears throat> what they did was simple. And it, it, where they drew the inspiration for it was very simple. They were grateful. They were grateful. You heard from her very own lips. Well, you know, when you think about what Jesus did for 
cross, the nails in his hands, and the crown of thorns on his head. Why not give your life back to him and serve someone else and do work for him? Why sit around on the couch watching TV? Imagine if Jesus Christ had taken the attitude to sit back and just watch TV when it was time to be pursuing salvation for us. Where would we be? <clears throat> the second is they believed God's word and wanted to do what it said. Right? Uh, we have many people that claim to be religious, but what are they doing? There are some that may even call us religious. We may even at times past call ourselves religious. But what are we doing with our religious beliefs? Mark 10, 13. Mark 10, 13. Do these children have a better handle on the word of God than we do? Man, it's quiet in here. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. I know I'm stepping on toes. But this is what God had to say this morning. The people brought children to Jesus hoping they might touch them, that he might touch them. The disciples shooed them off, but Jesus was irate and let them know it. When you hear the word irate, what does it make you think? Angry, irritated? Is it just kind of like one of those passive moments? Like, no, don't take them away. <laughs> I hear so many people read the scripture and they don't realize. Now, granted, this is the message version, right? But they kind of break it down from the original Hebrew and Greek and they kind of take the meaning a little deeper. So Jesus was irate. And I hear people read this and they say, you know, that Jesus said, don't take them away from me. No, he got irate. When I hear the word irate, I see in my mind crazy. I've been irate before. And I didn't say, wait. Do not make them go away. No. I was downright crazy. If Jesus was from the hood, it would look more like, yo, what's up? That is irate. But it only goes to prove the point of how serious this moment was. We're talking about children here. We're talking about them doing the work of the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus thinks about the kingdom of God and children. Check this out. He says, these children are at the very center of life in the kingdom. Mark this. Write this down. Don't forget that I said this. Unless you accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you'll never get in. Then gathering the children up in his arms, he laid his hands of blessing on them. Their understanding of who Jesus was and what he did for them determined what kind of Christians they wanted to be. These two little girls. They understood who Jesus was and what he had done for them, and they made a choice. They allowed that to govern their behavior and their actions. Amen? What, Christ, what kind of Christians do we want to be? 
That's a question we should be asking ourselves in the year 2013. And now that we're on the precipice of moving into our own building, right? Because we kind of were like vagabonds for a little while, traveling from place to place. And although this is beautiful, this is not our house. This is awesome. This place has been a huge blessing for us. We've worked hand in hand in building one another up, Fuente de Jacob and Calvary Christian Fellowship. But now we're going to our own, and we should be asking ourselves some very deep questions like, what kind of a Christian do I want to be? I have been this in times past, but moving forward now that we have a stake in the game, now that we own, now that we are growing roots in a particular community, what kind of Christian do I want to be? Do we want to be secret service Christians? Borrowing from Pastor Victor's uh, vernacular? Where nobody on the planet knows you're a Christian. If they know, I have to act a certain way. Oh, if, if they know I'm a Christian, they'll have to know. That, I mean, I'll have to put the word of God in, in, you know, at the forefront of my what I say and what I do and where I go. Or do we want to live our lives as an open book? For the sake of being sweet like honey and drawing the unsaved or those who need salvation and healing and deliverance. Do we want to be mediocre Christians who just can't seem to ever get it right with no prayer life, no understanding of the word of God, living a slacklicious life? That's a real word in somebody's dictionary. Or do we want to be Christians that are marked with excellence? Do we want to be just saved? Are we comfortable with just being saved? I mean, that's okay. It means we get to heaven. That's great, right? We're just saved. We'll do just enough to be saved. Or do we want to, do, do we want to live a life of non-multiplication? Or do we want to be good stewards? Do we want to be a harvester of souls? He that is wise wins souls. Pay attention. This is for you. This is for me. Do we want to be selfish Christians? Mine. Don't touch my resource, my money, my time. It's all mine. I envision Daffy Duck. Mine, 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 mine. You ever see that one? It's all mine. Then it gets real tiny. That's what it makes us. Do we want to be a water gun for the kingdom of God or do we want to be an atomic bomb? Do we want to just squirt somebody with blessing or do we want to hit an entire neighborhood with salvation? I don't want to be a water gun. I don't know about you. What kind of Christians do we want to be? Last night, now this is true historical fact, right? This is from the book of the life of Tony. Are you ready? Scene, take one. My story this morning is about peanut butter, believe it or not. Everybody say peanut butter. Now, if you know me, you know that I just absolutely love peanut butter and jelly. I love it. 
I actually have this lifelong dream of starting a business called PBJ International. I'm not joking around. I'm serious now. Don't make fun of me. It's a serious stuff, right? I have this dream of, of, of starting like in, you know, you know how IHOP does their international? Okay, I'm kind of ripping them off, but it's with peanut butter and jelly, right? And so we would get like peanut butters and jellies from all over the world, and you can come in and you can be served with a waiter and everything, you know, thing around their arm, and yes, sir, how can I help you today? You know, that kind of thing. And everybody's got to speak in some kind of a foreign accent. It'd be really cool. Um, but I love peanut butter and jelly. And last night, I was in my kitchen, and I had, you know, the taste for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now, in my house, my precious and amazing wife has started a revolution. Everything that we eat is totally healthy. Completely void of hydrogenated oils. Right? Everything has got to be organic or, you know, chemical-free in some way, shape, or form. Even the peanut butter. Now, I don't know what hydrogenated oils do, but they make peanut butter much better than regular organic stuff. And so <laughs> she bought these two... I didn't even tell her this, so this is all fresh and new for her. She wasn't there. I was at home by myself. So I pulled the, the jar out of the cabinet, and I guess the, the hydrogenated oil keeps everything from going separate. Like, so all of the peanut oil was at the top. It was about that deep, just oil. And then the rest was like mad hard on the bottom. It wasn't just hard. It was solidified. It was, hence the term, mad hard. <laughs> so I'm thinking, all right, so there's got to be, we got to be able to stir this thing up and, you know, I can't just spread peanut oil on my bread. That would suck. <coughs> so I pull the, there's like a drill thing, uh, not a drill, use it for baking, hand mixer, thank you, a hand mixer, right, so I, it looks like a drill, it's the same principle, Elder, help me, right, works on the same principle, thanks pal, the hand mixer, and I put it in, so you know, I start, you know, I start on a low speed. I'm smart. You know, I don't like, and like the whole thing fly all over the place. So the peanut oil, it's easy. You know, you dip it right in and it starts to turn very slowly. And you get down about halfway through the bottle where the, where the peanut butter starts. And it starts, you know, the, the, not the drill, the blender. The thing starts to slow down. You hear the, the motor working a little bit harder. So it's starting to mix the stuff up. So then I go a little bit deeper and it like gets a little bit more intense. Right, and so the mixer slows down even more. You're gonna like this one. The mixer slows down a little bit more, and um, and so at one point I I kind of get all gung ho and I'm like, all right, this is working. So I I go for it, and I try to shove it down into the bottom, <laughs> and the thing like it snatched out of my hand, like it just like exploded out of my hand, and it started spitting violently. Like violently, like literally spinning on the countertop. <laughs> and I'm standing there screaming like, ah! Because the stuff at the bottom was hard. It was solidified. 
the good stuff had settled in. The good stuff settled down to the bottom and got comfortable. It got hard. Now, it scared the heck out of me because I'm thinking, I got to clean this up. <laughs> now, although that was a stupid peanut butter story and completely true, we can connect that to some spirituality in some way. Right? What kind of Christians do we want to be? Do we want to be settled, hard, unmovable? How hard is God going to have to work to get us stirred up? How difficult are we as Christians going to make it for him to stir us up and get us moving and get us out of our comfort zone? Didn't take much for these two adorable little blonde girls. They're so cute. I wanted to help my big sister. <laughs> but they were moved because of their childlike faith. Because they simply believe God. That's all it takes. We need to be careful not to get settled in our comfort so much that we are unusable by the master. Amen? How hard does God have to work? We, the church, are supposed to have the truth and the light. We're supposed to have the good stuff, right? This peanut butter was the good stuff. It's the organic stuff, free of all hormones and hydrogenated oils. I have to say that slow. It's supposed to be the good stuff. It's supposed to bring joy and peace and health to the body. Our job is to bring joy and the good news of the gospel to the world. Our job is to bring health and healing, peace. Our job is to simply present Jesus and provide people with the stuff they need. You ever see what the model that Jesus used was with his disciples when he sent them out two by two? What did he tell them? He said, go to the houses, whatever it is that they need, help them out with it. If they need food, they need clothing, give it to them. Take care of the natural and physical needs first and then hit them with the gospel there's a method and it's not madness there's no madness whatsoever if you look at it people will receive you these kids in uganda are now eating daily these little girls have provided them with a school Whereas they may never have been able to expect to ever get an education ever, ever for that village, that community. For, they said, five classrooms? That's a couple dozen kids. And over time, possibly thousands. What are we doing? What kind of Christians are we? We're going to be permanently planted in this community. And if we are to do a real work for God, we need to change our mindset and stop thinking like a small church. We got to stop thinking like a small church. I was just talking about this church, Fuente de Jacob, right? The pastora, she's awesome. She's really cool. Sometimes uh, she'll catch me and Belinda here. And she'll stop and talk with us. And she's very real. Very real. Um, and we just, you know, we, we appreciate her and her spunk. Um, by the way, pray for her. She's a bus driver. And she's currently on strike. 
And, you know, in this type of situation, everybody kind of suffers, especially the kids. But pray for her. Pray for the kids. If you're in education, you should have been praying already. Anyway, sorry. Got off track, but that needed to be said. Her church, with 17 people, bought this building. Did you know that? 17. They bought a building. They own it outright. Um, I'll never forget Pastor's testimony about conversating with the pastora. Come on, say it like a Hispanic. The pastora. And she said, he said in the conversation where he met her, she said, we are few, but we are powerful. Right? And I'll I'll never forget, Pastor said, when I heard that, I just said, right, I can't do it as good as him. But that's powerful. Although they're a small church, they're not thinking like a small church. They understand who the God is that they serve. They bought this building, and it was incomplete, but, but, but they believed God for the rest. And God did that. God supplied it. How? He used us. How cool is that? How cool is it to be in a position of blessing? They have this banging new sound system that they didn't have before. Right? During the slam concerts, we had a, a few bands come in, and uh, they were behind the board, and they heard some of what we were pushing out, you know, the volume and the, and the clarity. I was pretty proud that this was my church. And they said, man, this sound system's killer. I was like, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Well, Fuente de Jacob, they own that system now. They own these chairs that are much better for the back and much better for the booty. I could say booty, right? Okay. Much more comfortable. They're, uh, is that Brother Lee? Oh, snap. Where you been at, brother? I'm sorry. Haven't seen you in a minute. Okay. Please forgive me. So, and we helped them finish the basement also. The basement was unfinished. They believed God for the rest and God took it, took care of it. Now you can choose to say, yeah, we came in and did God did that. We are the children of God, and he uses us to bless one another. Sometimes he'll use the unsaved and the ungodly to bless children of God, too. Don't get it twisted. How big is our faith? How big is our faith? What can we trust God for? And what vision has God placed in your heart? I got a problem. Sometimes... You know, we, we talk about corporately, right? So we talk about we as a church. We as a church, we've got to go and we've got to do this thing for the glory of God. And everybody in the church will say, amen. And there could be 80 people in the building. And then you see the same five people doing the same thing over and over and over again. And they're the same five people that kind of do it all. And then when it comes time to celebrate the thing that was done, will say, all right, we did it. And then everybody will jump up and say, amen. What's going on, man? That's not our church. That's the church in Queens. <laughs> let's, not, let's not be fake. That's our church too sometimes. It's the same old people doing the same old thing. Is that fair? And it's simply because the fire is not lit. 
it's simply because, I don't know, maybe you're not grateful enough. I'm sorry. I apologize. That was hard. These are questions that we need to think about corporately and personally. Personally, 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 personally. Ask yourself the hard questions. It's easy to say we when you're in a group, but it's much more difficult to say I when you're by yourself. <coughs> let's not worried about being let's not be worried about being safe anymore. Amen? Let's stop worrying about being safe. Let's focus on being tireless to the work of the kingdom. Let's focus on being resourceful. Let's focus on being dedicated to this house and to Almighty God. Let's focus on being determined to make a difference in someone else's life. Saved or unsaved. Don't neglect your brothers and sisters just because they're saved and you think they got Jesus, they're good to go. Let's focus on being unashamed for the sake of the gospel message. Let's focus on being obedient to God's word. Let's focus on being selfless. Man, you guys are quiet. Let's focus on being ruthless to the enemy camp by fasting and prayer. I'm sorry, but if you're a Christian and you're not praying, you're not doing anything. It should be the air. I'll say it again. If you're a Christian you're not, and you're not praying, you're not doing anything. You're not doing God a favor by coming to church on Sunday and playing patty cake for Jesus two hours and then going and then never con connecting with the Holy Spirit again until the following Sunday. That's a problem. And it's not a problem to me. It's a problem to your Heavenly Father. I'm not saying anything that we don't find uh, established in the Word of God right now. Understand that if you're not praying, what are you doing? Whether we make our goal the children of Africa or the children of the Bronx or simply the people of the Soundview area, we need to understand the time is now. Ahora. Now. Faith has nothing to do with the intelligence or intellect or degrees or ability or good looks or political savvy. Faith is all about believing God can and will do what his word says he can do. And will do if we act like we believe it. And do what it says to do. That's all, folks. But it's simple. You read something, say, okay, God, I believe it. I'm going to do it. These little girls, they read that uh, true and undefiled religion is visiting the widowed in their affliction and helping the fatherless. Hey, let's make a children's village. Let's start putting money together. Let's start doing fundraisers. Eight and ten. I can't emphasize that much, uh, that anymore. They're eight and ten. My daughter's seven. If you have children, though, you can understand it. Sometimes they say some crazy things. They believe anything. We can transfer that to who we are. Because sometimes we can get more educated than what we should be. We depend on our education a little too much. We depend on what we know rather than what God tells us in his word.
because it's true. God's word is true. God is faithful. When everyone else and everything else is a lie, God is faithful. I'm going to read James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 again. This time I'm going to read it in MSG. And no, I'm not talking about a basketball game. I'm talking about the Message Bible. It says it a little bit differently in this, in this uh, version that I think is important for us to remember. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. Can I say that again? Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. Self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air. And hot air only. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight. And guard against corruption from the, God, from the godless world. James had something else that was very interesting to, to say in uh, chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. James said, Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressing in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend! Be clothed in Christ! Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Goodness gracious. You go, James. Tell it like it is, brother. I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department and I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, fit together hand in glove. We've done some awesome things, right, Elder? We've had the, the uh, yearly basketball game in the park. That's been awesome. Yeah, it's okay. You can give a little whoop, whoop. That's right. Um, we've done evangelism out in the street on Story and Lafayette. We have um, <clears throat> we had the slam events here where we had concerts. Um, Pastor does a, a number of things that we that we travel with him on. You know, like last Saturday he did a, a prophetic conference. I'm forgetting stuff, aren't I? Help me. Our Christmas services, our Thanksgiving services, conferences we've done. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. And that was with not actually even having our own building and having a very, very, very limited supply of days to choose from. I'm sorry. Bonfires. We've had bonfire services, which were amazing. We've had the, uh, the youth life group, which the name escapes me at the moment. Unplugged. Outstanding evangelism tools. But now that we're moving into our, our own spot, we can do so much more. I got one clap. 
And a bunch of yeses and amens. Okay, so you guys are on board with that message. Amen? Well, let me reiterate. God did not save us to be safe. It's safe to sit at home on your couch and chill while other, others are, you know, burning the midnight hour on the hamster wheel. <laughs> you like that one, huh? We all have visions, right? We all get this God-driven thing inside of us. And even if you're not a visionary, you have gifts and you have talents. And if you don't have gifts and you don't have talents, then you have what everybody has on the planet, which is time. Time is an amazing resource. Time was never money, as our crazy backwards society has pushed onto us. Time is way more valuable than money. Way more valuable. Time, giving your time to an event or to a ministry or supporting somebody else in a ministry, that's incredibly valuable. Incredibly valuable. Support our church and its events. All of them, if you can. I know we have busy lives. Sometimes we make our lives busy with fluff and stuff that we don't even need to be really involved in. What's more important, the temporal or the eternal? What's more important, the temporal or the eternal? I'm not going to answer that for you. It's something you have to answer yourself. God did not save us to be safe. I'll say it again. God did not save us to be safe. Two little girls did something that is completely unfathomable for a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old to do. They raised like $25,000 for the school, the two little girls. Their parents helped them with some stuff. The parents mostly helped them with the organization that they made, which is amazing. From one child to another, that's apparently their organization. But these two little girls had this vision, and all they did was do, they went. They just did it. They said, we're doing it. Mom, Dad, you can help us where you can, but we're doing this. And two years later, 25000 a school with five classrooms, and a chicken coop to feed a whole village. That's amazing. I see many more than just little girls in this room. There are professional adults that are chock full of resources and ability and children. We can learn something from children, man. And I think that's what Jesus was telling us in the book of Mark. We should be taking notes when they speak sometimes. I know I do. Sometimes when my daughter speaks to me, sometimes she says stuff that convicts me deeply. My kids blow me away. My son Anthony, when he's feeling sick, he doesn't say, Daddy, do we have medicine? He says, Daddy, would you pray for me? Man. That blows me away. It really does. And it's not that they read the entire Bible back to back. It's simply what I transmitted to them in belief with God. And, and you know, Papa, you feel sick? Let me pray for you. And then they realized, hey, God can heal. Can't we have that same simple faith? To say, hey, God's word said it. I believe it. And even if I feel it's unsafe 
to pursue that challenge, to pursue that vision that God has dropped in my spirit, I'm going to do it anyway because I know when I come out on the other side, God has got my back always. Amen? I'll admit to you, I feel like to some extent I've been living my life pretty safe. I could be doing so much more for the Lord. I really could. And you know, sometimes I have this mask and I say I'm, I'm busy and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And Don't pay attention to me, man. I'm f- being phony. There's more time on my hands than I think I have. There are other things that I could kind of drop like a bad habit in order to put God's kingdom first. And it's a struggle against my flesh. Me. But it's a matter of saying, God, you first. Pastor was pretty amazing in his message last week where he talked about seeking first the kingdom of heaven and all of its righteousness And having all of that other stuff that we need simply added to us because God knows. God really does take care of his own. He really does. There are a lot of things that people just bless Belinda and I with. Like all kinds of stuff. And I know people would be embarrassed to admit this, but somebody actually gave me this shirt. I don't care, because I look hot, son. (laughs) But it's a second-hand shirt. And sometimes I can't afford to go get clothing, and like all of a sudden, my my wife's uh, uncle, Tito, who is about the same size, who actually goes up and down and wait like a seesaw for some reason, he winds up, you know, just giving away a bunch of clothes, and I'll take them. Look, hey, I could take that money and buy my kids' clothes. God really does provide. He really does. It's not just a catchphrase for a t-shirt. Put him first. Try it. Just try it. Just try.